catches it. Shot by Platt. Here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the brand new football podcast that sums it all up. Today we're recording just after Arsenal's home game against Leicester City, the 1-0 defeat. And during this evening's show, we'll review the weekend's Premier League fixtures, dissect Arsenal's performance against Leicester, the chat about fantasy football, as well as touching upon the upcoming European fixtures and the return of the Champions and Europa League. If you missed today's broadcast, all the episodes of That Sums It All Up, as well as Fresh Air's very own sports album, which I also blab about the week's footballing stories, are available on my Mixcloud, mixcloud.com forward slash Alfie dash Steiner, or on Fresh Air's radio website. If you scroll down the list of shows, mine will be towards the bottom with each week's episode uploaded. Last week, Max Acas and I, a good friend of mine, discussed a variety of things, including Arsenal's 1-0 loss against Manchester City, so similar result, I'm sure different things to talk about this week. If you are listening, don't hesitate to message in. Find me on Twitter, at AlfieSteiner1, trying to start using my platform a bit more for podcast-related matters, and not just for obsessive updates and all things football-related. Questions, comments, opinions, and anything else are more than welcome. So today, my guests and I are recording bright and early on a Monday morning. It's not a goodly morning, probably, um, but we're going to, as I said, talk about Arsenal, the team selection, the result, the performance, looking ahead. We'll touch upon United, Chelsea and City all drawing on Saturday. Fancy football discussion, as I said, and champions and Europa League. So we welcome back onto the show already. He's already a stalwart, the fulcrum of the team. Perhaps we could use a Johnny Rosen equivalent for Arsenal at the moment. Uh, we watched Arsenal together yesterday, so I thought who better to hop on to discuss today's proceedings as well as the weekend footballing stories. Welcome back, Johnny. How are we on this fine Scottish morning? Morning. I'm well. Bar the result yesterday, it's been a good weekend. Fancy teams not doing too bad, so that always eases the pain of an Arsenal <laughs> loss. Um, Excellent. But yeah, not not the most exciting weekend of football. So, but still plenty to talk about. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you, you touched on a good point there. It's it, I, I, even looking at the the run through of all the games and results, a lot less goals this weekend compared to the crazy uh, scores that we've been used to over the last few weeks. But I'm glad to hear that you've had a good weekend. Anything else you've been up to at all apart from keeping up with the football? Honestly, yeah. As you know, we're kind of in lockdown up here in Edinburgh, so. No restaurants, no bars, no pubs to go to after Arsenal lose another game 1-0, creating very little chances. If the pubs were open, you'd be there, wouldn't you? Sinking pint after pint. I'd be there first thing this morning, drowning my sorrows. (laughs) Anyway, yes. So, good weekend, that's good. Since we last spoke, actually, so we spoke just after the transfer window ended, I think, and during the international break. So since then, we've lost to Manchester City 1-0. We've beaten Rapid Vienna 2-1. And now we've lost to Leicester 1-0. I've realised I wrote the show notes for today prior to Arsenal's game. So there's sort of a, a general prediction of what we might be discussing, but obviously really not anticipating that we'd be discussing a 1-0 loss because I really don't think 
for Arsenal fans, our, our positive bias really gets in the way. Well, how much of the football did you watch this weekend? Did you watch El Clasico, for example, or were you strictly strictly on Arsenal duty? Um, I watched I watched the United-Chelsea game, which was oh. even more boring, maybe, than, oh. than the Arsenal-Leicester game. And I watched a bit of the Friday night football, Leeds-Villa, which was a good oh, game, yeah. although I had Martinez and McGinn. In my fancy team, so that didn't. It's so hard to distinguish off. how much you enjoy a football match these days. I mean, yeah, fantasy offsets it, but so much of it influences the way you view the game. I actually dislike it quite a bit, to be fair, unless obviously your players do well. But unfortunately, it could have gone one or two ways. I could have been like, so let's just get straight into the good stuff. But we're not getting into the good stuff. We're talking about Arsenal unless we watch it together. But let's delve a little deeper into proceedings. For those who don't know, Arsenal lost 1-0 at home in today's kickoff. £14.95, absolute bargain for those of us who did dip into our pocket. Thank you, Johnny, for that. <laughs> a, a terrible service from Sky, I thought. No punditry. Yeah, no, no half-time punditry. Terrible commentary. Like, at least you get Martin Tyler, surely. Maybe they're boycotting it internally. <laughs> and you missed before the game started... And I set up the the Sky box office stream, and it was just the same half a dozen rolling highlights from various, like from West Brom, Chelsea, and other games this season, just on repeat. Nothing. It was. It was I don't, what are you paying for? They couldn't even the be. It could, they couldn't even not be bothered, but there was no concerted effort to make a spectacle of it in the way that you've got Friday night football or Saturday night football, or Monday night football. There's a clear like package that they put together so that it's a pleasurable viewing experience. There was nothing on this. And you really think that it would be the opposite. I was I was I was pretty shocked to be honest. I mean, whatever it was, fourteen ninety five for a game is slightly outrageous. But anyway, let's start from the beginning. So starting eleven, what did you make of it? I wrote in the show notes. Hope Party and Gabrielle start a banning down the middle. We got two of those, we did get the other. What were your initial reactions to the starting eleven? I wasn't that surprised. I thought Partey was always going to start. I don't see why you'd ease him into the team. He's fully fit. He's a Champions League quality midfielder. Showed that against Vienna. And I, I was pretty confident he was going to start. The only surprise for me was seeing Aubameyang on the right and not the left. It seems quite clear that Arteta is going to stick with an orthodox number nine, which would be Lacazette or maybe Nketiah. Mm. And so... Yeah, I just the Aubameyang on the right never works. It's never worked, and it didn't work yesterday. And I just think, why not start Pepe there? Because at least he's a bit more dangerous. He can take players on. He dribbles with the ball, and actually, he's he's looked fairly good. He was pretty good against. He was very good against Sheffield United when he came on. He didn't quite have that effect yesterday, mm. but I would like to see him start, especially with Williams' absence as well. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think the fact that party started as well as Xhaka and Ceballos was a quite clear uh, effort to have three in the midfield and have a more balanced back four. And I do think at the moment our team selections are so dependent on Arteta intending to offset any vulnerabilities he foresees basing it around the opponent's strengths, so their, their strength on the counter. You probably knew that they were going to come to the Emirates, sit deep, and that's what they did. But Brendan Rodgers 
hate to say it, executed his game plan to perfection and obviously having Jamie Vardy on the bench helped him do that. Um, yeah, so I don't think there were too many complaints about the starting eleven. I know a lot of people would have been clamouring for Aubameyang to start down the middle, but that's another debate which is definitely at the forefront of Arsenal fans' minds, which maybe we can touch upon towards the end of our Arsenal discussion. Um, what did you make of the performance in general and it was perhaps a game of two halves I mean I think maybe uh, looking through Twitter people getting quite carried away with Arsenal's performance in the first half I think we were dominant but I'm not sure that we were excellent and we'll get on to what you thought the the game plan was uh, but yeah what do you make of the performance in general in, in terms of first half second half or overall yeah, I think, as you mentioned, a game of two halves, I don't think is a, is a right way to describe the game. Obviously, in the first half, we were on top and we, you know, statistically, we had a lot of shots. We had 12 shots, I think, in the first half. Look at our XG, it was very low. And other than that one Lacazette chance where it was kind of fizzed across the six-yard box and he should get his head to it and the disallowed goal, which we'll also probably speak about, I, we didn't create much. We had a lot of kind of high crosses that went in from Tierney or from Bellerin. Aubameyang and Lacazette, neither of those kind of forms like a Giroud who, would, who meets the ball or a Calvert-Lewin who kind of hangs in the air. And they weren't great chances. And when mm. we were attacking in the first half, it's not like we were fizzing the ball one touch, two touch around their box and Schmeichel was having to make these incredible saves. Slightly good save in the second um, And that was our only shot in the second half as well, which brings me on to the second half. And that was a terrible 45 minutes of football from an Arsenal perspective. It was yeah. too slow. I, mean, I don't know what you think. I assume it's, it's something similar. But it was just like the Arsenal of last season, this time last season, where we would just kind of just fall to a defeat that you knew was inevitable and it was just when we were going to concede not if especially once Vardy came on and uh, Under came on who I thought had a good little cameo for Leicester mm. yeah I mean look when when the halftime whistle blew I thought well we've looked pretty solid Leicester have not really had a sniff we have created a few chances, albeit not in the in the way that maybe I would have liked, but chances are chances. We had a disallowed goal in the first half, which looking back, you know, it would have been I wouldn't have been surprised if another team would have been given that goal. It does seem like Arsenal don't really get the the volume of VAR decisions or checks or outrages that other teams might get. But, you know, if we go in 1-0 at half-time, I think that changes the game. And obviously, if Lacazette scores that goal, which he should, then that also changes the game if it's 1-0 or 2-0. And I know these are fine margins, but I think this is a game of fine margins. And, you know, these these little things will definitely influence it. I think we were all right. We were good in the first half. We controlled proceedings. We looked solid, as we normally tend to do, to be honest, I think. You know, it, it sort of worked, having a back four and a back three, more solid. Looked as if we were able to create a few more chances. At least we were creating them, as opposed to other other weeks where we just don't create anything. 
albeit you know swinging them in from the from the left hand side. Tinney's crossing was great, but you know it, it's not really where you're gonna you're not really looking to plant it onto Lacazette's head. He's not going to leap like a salmon above Fofana and and Evans. So I didn't really see the attacking identity that we want to see, but I guess we can't really expect that because we don't have an attacking identity at the moment. We don't have the attacking structure in place. There's no cohesion. There's no, there's no balance going forward. So I think it's sort of to be expected. If we can create chances like we did, then maybe we've got to do better. And that obviously feeds into the, 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 uh, the personnel argument. Who do you start in, in which position? And if you're not going to create a great number of chances and you're not a, a cohesive attacking unit, then surely you put your most dangerous attacking players in their favoured positions and hope that they can make something of it, is what I think. And then second half, pretty terrible. We were saying the longer we go nil-nil, the longer, the, the harder it gets, the more likely it is that Jamie Vardy comes on and inevitably scores his 11th goal in 12 games against us. Um you know, it, it was obvious what they were trying to do. And I think I said to you, they can't score first. And, you know, they did and they left it late. And by that point, it was it was too late for us to, to come back. So I was very disillusioned with the, with the second half performance, as you were. No shots between, I think it was the 45th minute and the nearly the 70th minute or something like that. Pepe came on, couldn't get into the game. Lacazette stayed on for the whole... 90, which I think was was a bit ridiculous, but I do think there's some sympathy with David Luiz going off injured. I think that was a big part of the of the game plan today. I mean, yesterday is out ball, sort of committing the Leicester defenders higher up. He was his range of passing yesterday was was excellent. I think Saka, as much as maybe he looked a bit tired, he was our most dangerous creative outlet and him going off I think he probably would have wanted to keep him on and take Lacazette off and bring Pepe on and then put Aubameyang down the middle with with Louise playing those balls in so I do think Mustafi and Mustafi coming on and Lacazette staying on the pitch were slight um, obstacles for us to to make something of the second half but in general not great and you know we've got United next weekend so perhaps this this result looks looks quite bad what do you think the significance of the result is um, given we've lost to City so that's two two losses in a row if we lose to United next week which I'm not saying we will that's three losses in a row albeit with uh, Europa League victories in the middle but these games are really quite important in terms of telling us where Arsenal are at the moment, but maybe we're maybe we're not where we want to be or or hope that we would be. And that's a reality check we have to deal with. So yeah, significance of the result. I'm not saying that this is a meaningless it's not meaningless. A loss is a loss. A Premier League loss is a big loss. If you look at the table at the moment though, everyone's dropping points. City drew at West Ham on on Saturday. You could argue, I didn't watch the Liverpool game, but they narrowly beat Sheffield United at home, came from behind. Had we have, had we have won yesterday, we would have gone second or third in the table. And we're still only, it's not like we're miles off the pace. We're only two points or a point off top four with this loss. 
if we lose against United, then we have to reevaluate things. Mm. But th- that's next week, and we can't predict the future. I think this more important significance is it just further highlights the weaknesses in our squad. And if you're an opposition manager watching that game, the blueprint to beating us becomes very clear. We don't have any creative midfielders. Mm. So if you sit tight, if you drop back, we also don't have a six-foot-four striker who's going to win headers and challenge for centre-back. Yeah, Giroud, so for example. <laughs> we don't have a Giroud or, or even a Shamak. And, <laughs> and so it becomes quite clear that we're not really going to play through teams and we're not going to be able to bombard teams with crosses and win headers like that. So just sit back and wait for us to, to leave one gap and teams in the Premier League are generally good enough to exploit that. Mm. And so the significance for me is that it makes the blueprint to beating us abundant clear for opposition teams, which is a worry and definitely will need to be addressed by, uh, by Arteta and his coaching staff. Absolutely. And I think uh, an important, an important uh, indicator of where the team is at as you say the blueprint is becoming quite obvious and it's sort of been in the in the background for a while but we've been managing to sort of get away with it and relying on Aubameyang's individual brilliance popping up with goals but if teams sit back and know that they can nullify us which increasingly they have been able to do over the last year and then try and get something that is just saying like our our setup, our personnel, our players, our attacking threat is very predictable. And I do think it is a case of, you know, everyone's been quite excited about the emergence of this spine, which we've been craving for. Leno in goal, Gabriel, who was who was excellent again, I think, yesterday. Um, you know, he gives the ball away a bit, but he looks commanding. He, he looks like he's confident. He's, he's great on one-on-one duels. Um, he's still young, so I think he's only going to get better. Thomas Partey, who we'll get on to a bit uh, in, in regarding his performance yesterday. And the Bamyang, you've got the players there, Bellerin, Tierney, Saka, arguably. These, these players are starting to be turned into nailed-on starters. And so I think once that starts to happen, you then say, right, once these guys are sort of bedded in and nailed-on starters, then we start trying to evolve the team. And I do think it is a case of... Arteta establishing his blocks in place and then well what what can you do now and I think that moment's come especially in a game like yesterday and ahead of Manchester United where we really got to start trying a bit more and taking risks because I think you know it's been it's been a great almost year of Arteta really sort of cleaning those those pretty horrible wounds of being uh, an absolute mess of the side defensively, structurally, tactically. And we've, uh, we've really, he's really established, re-established a, a, a nice balance and solidity. But at what point do you then start taking a few risks? And I think there were positive signs yesterday, starting with a three in midfield, albeit quite cautiously with, with Xhaka dropping in to the centre-back position um, and Aubameyang starting on the right. I just do think it will take some time because we have an unbalanced personnel. We, I don't see how our front three works together unless maybe it's Saka, Aubameyang and, and Pepe. But even then, I think Aubameyang, I think 
you know, it's, it's very possible to to say that Aubameyang starts yesterday and he has one of those games where he's very peripheral and then we say, oh God, like what's the point of Aubameyang playing up there? But I think because Lacazette is doing that anyway, surely you try it is, is the point. Um, so yeah, let's get on to Let's get on to Aubameyang. I don't know if you noticed yesterday, but he he sort of he went down the tunnel quite quickly yesterday. Towards the end of the game, he was dropping quite deep. He looked frustrated, and we have seen over the last few games, which I hadn't seen in him before. He's looking frustrated. He's had six shots, I think, overall in what eight games in total in the season. Um, his xG is something ridiculous. It's like. 0.5 or something like that after all of this. He's first time since November 2014. He hasn't he's scored, he's gone without a goal in five successive league games. I mean, what 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 has to happen with him? Because we can't have another five games of Aubameyang looking frustrated, incredibly peripheral. I think he was a bit bit more involved uh yesterday than he had been previously in the games against Liverpool and, and City and stuff like that, but we we need to we need to really start juicing juicing uh, the most that we can get out of him quite soon because he's not a guy who who can do a job for the team for a year or two and then you know then we see his full potential. He's thirty one years old. We've just given him a huge contract. the The margin for error, as much as Arteta is at the beginning, still at the beginning of his journey. We've committed such such big resources to the likes of Aubameyang, to the likes of Thomas Partey, there is more pressure for Arteta to deliver a game plan and a team that can get the most out of these players. And look, it might take a while, but it's not happening yet. So what do you think about Aubameyang? Is it essential to have him through the middle? Um, what, 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 what do you think about it? Because everyone seems to be debating it. Some people are saying it's essential he starts down the middle. Some people say he's better on the left. Uh, what what would you make of the, the whole shebang? I don't think it's essential for him to start down the middle because I don't think... One, I don't think he's necessarily better straight down the middle than he is as an inside forward coming in from the left. It's it, it, his, his, uh, his XG and the amount of goals he's scored is higher as an inside left forward than as an orthodox number nine. What I think is important is we play the players that make him play the, his to full capacity, basically. Arteta spoke about building a team around him, and I think that's where we should it's what we should be aiming to do. But I think that you know, going by the starting eleven we played yesterday, that's not a team that's built to get the best out of a Bamiang. Whereas if you have a team, I, I think he always looks a lot better with Maitland Niles on the pitch. And Tierney as kind of a two on that left-hand side because they're a lot more dynamic than a Xhaka-Tierney pairing. And it means that Aubameyang doesn't need to track back as much and can actually spend a lot more time in the inside channel than on the wider channel because Maitland-Niles is able to get up and down a lot quicker than someone like Xhaka. I also think playing Saka from centrally or even from the right would uh, would help kind of offset the lack of creativity in the midfield and maybe produce some more chances for 
for uh, for Aubameyang. I mean, if you remember the Leicester game last season where we drew one one at home, mm. Saka had a brilliant assist, and that, that was right, him of him playing from the right, and that was for mm. Aubameyang. So. I think what we need to do, or what I would do, is I would start to set up the, the starting eleven to get the best out of Aubameyang and get the players like Maitland-Niles on the left, maybe get Saka on the right, or even put Saka centrally and have Pepe on the right and get these players in who are going to produce the chances for Aubameyang rather than forcing Aubameyang to almost be a, a creator, which he's not. And, um, and so that, that, that was my issue with that. I also... Don't think Aubameyang is necessarily 100% fit. We saw him midway through the first half take. It could have been vitamins, but it could have also been painkillers. And so I, we know Arteta didn't you know, kind of specify and doesn't need to. But if someone's going over to take pills 25 minutes into a game, it doesn't mm. kind of suggest that they're fully fit. Absolutely. And look, I think... I agree with everything you say there, and I, I, I agree getting the players around Aubameyang so that he can he can we can maximise his strengths most. And I do think you have a point with Maitland Niles, Saka. You know we've seen Pepe and Aubameyang combined to great effect from Pepe sort of cutting in from the right and finding Aubameyang in that inside left channel. But even having said all those things, it's like, well, how do you how do you structure and balance the team in a way that I think it is quite difficult because we don't have an obvious like yeah structure of and and, and group of players that that can combine if you put Maitland Niles on well like where do you where do you play him you don't play him as do you play a three at the back and then you play Maitland Niles as a as a wing back or do you do you try Maitland Niles as a sort of Jacquerel midfielder, which I wouldn't be against, but, you know, everyone sort of clamours for Maitland-Niles to start in the midfield, but he's never done that. He also hasn't really been involved over the last few weeks, which is slightly bizarre, given that he looked as if he'd, he'd made, made his mark in Arteta's, in Arteta's thinking. Um, I just think it's, yeah, I mean, I trust Arteta to, to, to work it out, but it is... As, as obvious as it is that we need to maximise Aubameyang's strength, I don't think personnel-wise it's that obvious. I think it might take... A, having Thomas Party will certainly perhaps make it more obvious, which I think yesterday it did. You know, giving the ball... They were, everyone was giving the ball to Xhaka so much that Party was sort of bypassed in... in well, I was going to I was gonna touch upon that. And look at, um, I don't know if you saw the Albinio, the Albinio stats after the game, but it was crazy that Xhaka received the ball... 35 times from Gabriel and Party received the ball four times from Gabriel. In total, Xhaka and Gabriel passed to Party eight times, but they passed to each other 98 times between each other. Party, uh, not Party, Xhaka and Gabriel. David Luiz passed to Party twice and Mustafi passed to Party three times. So in total, Gabriel, Xhaka, Louise and Mustafi passed to party a combined 13 times yesterday. And, that, not, that is... and I think I think actually having party in the team makes Jack a droppable. And then mm. you put someone like Maitland Niles in. And I'm personally 
not wedded to the idea of a back four. I'm wedded to whatever makes us win games. And if that's a back four with Maitland-Niles as a wing back, that's the route to go down. And so I think we need to we needed to get party on the ball. He's more ambitious with his passing. He's more forward thinking. He's more dynamic than Jacka. Mm. And personally, I thought Jack had a very poor game yesterday. Well, we were talking about that, and it just seemed that he was, rightly or wrongly, everyone was giving him the ball, and he was sort of charged with with driving. The amount of times he got the ball, and it was like I was saying, I was shouting on TV, drive into space, and then I realised it was Jacker on the ball, and it's like you just bought in Thomas Party to sort of do this job, and. It did seem he was getting crowded out. And even Sabayos, like he wasn't given the the responsibility, which I think he he, he embraces and, and when he performs best, that he is the guy that receives the ball and, and drives the team forward from from the base of our defence. And I do think there were as much as it was promising to have a midfield three, I don't think that it necessarily works. And I think moving forwards, if we're gonna get the most out of Partey even Sabahis to an extent, I think Xhaka's as good as he, he can be and how as well as, as much as Arteta likes him, I think there does come a point where you have to be like, right, I want my best players on the pitch who are going to be of most use to the whole team. And I think if, you're, if you've got Thomas Partey in there and he's not receiving the ball, I'd far rather Partey on the ball and trying something more. We know what Xhaka can do. We know what he does on the ball, and whilst it, it can be pretty good sometimes, he's he's got a ceiling. There's a reason that over the last few years, he's been our main midfield player, and we have been pretty substandard in midfield and not had the, you know, the the attacking numbers, the chances created, the, the ball progressions. He's just too, he's a very limited player, and I think he can do a job in certain games, absolutely, but if we're trying to develop into a team that can be a bit more dynamic and take more risks given that we've now got the the foundations in place from the back then maybe you don't do that and like you were just saying if you want to try and fit players in place regardless of formation that that benefit Aubameyang then why don't you try you know somewhat something like Gabriel in the middle of a back three Tierney left centre back then you've got Maitland-Niles left wing back then you can still fit in Saka as one of the front three um, Partey and Ceballos Bellerin right wing back then you can still have a Bamiang Saka Pepe or you know a Bamiang Saka Lacazette if you still want that that stereotypical number nine so I do think there is there's scope for getting the structures around a Bamiang to you know get him playing or, or getting the chances that he needs and, and getting the service he needs uh, but maybe it will happen over the next few games. Maybe we needed a game like this where he tried a back four, which he, I think he wants to do moving forwards and then a midfield three, but it didn't quite work. So it, it is a work in progress and I don't think we can expect Arteta to just work it out straight away. He's not an experienced manager. I was, I, you compare, we compare Arsenal to Liverpool in the rebuild. We also forget that Jürgen Klopp was in place and he'd won the title with, with Borussia Dortmund. Arteta is not an experienced manager like Klopp. He's going to, we are Liverpool in the sense that we need to rebuild and it's going to take time. But we've also got a manager who's not even a year old in his professional managerial career. So, yeah, it's it's going to take some time, I think. Um, but do you have any more thoughts on, on any of that before we, we, we move on and, and 
conclude our Arsenal discussion? Um, just, just a few things, which is, uh, I agree with what you were saying about Xhaka. I think the game last night really brought home the weaknesses of him. I thought, kind of, not to kind of go on too much about it, but he did, he did slow the game down. And you were mentioning about the ceiling and how, while he's been our predominant centre midfielder, we've fallen off. And it, it kind of draws back to Emery's first season, where I thought Ramsey was outstanding that season before he left. And then he got injured in that Europa League game against Napoli. And there was a big, big correlation between Ramsey missing the last six weeks of the season and our huge plummet from what would have what was looking to be a very strong season. We were in the top four. We were on our way to a Europa League semi-final that ended up being a final at the time. And then Ramsey came off and our league form just dropped. And we kind of, Aubameyang and Lacazette got us through those Valencia games and we got torn apart in the final. And I think a lot of it is because Xhaka, Xhaka isn't able to do the things that Ramsey and Partey are able to do. And I, I see him as replaceable. And I'd also think we're forgetting about Mustafi's role in the game yesterday. And especially in the goal we conceded, I, I don't know if you've seen the video that's emerged. It's, all, it's kind of all over Twitter now of Gabriel showing oh, Mustafi yeah. where he should be before we can see the goal and Mustafi ambles over mm. and and doesn't cover the space and lo and behold we score because Mustafi is half a dozen yards too high and it, Look, it's typical what I say on that as well you, yes there, there are slight mitigating factors in the sense that Mustafi's playing his first game for what six months or something like that or not six months but you know a fair a fair while slightly rusty being thrust into a very intense game but you know what you're going to get with Mustafi he's an all right player on his day but he's very prone to defensive lapses lapses of in concentration and I think we've seen we know so well by now and I think Arteta does as well the limitations that players like Mustafi and Jacker bring to the team and I think the sooner and we've, I think there have been efforts on, in a personnel sense to move away from those players. You know, there's a, there's a reason that their centre-backs have been signed and, and I don't think Mustafi is in the forefront of Arteta's plans, perhaps. But another thing, you know, just I, I saw something on Twitter yesterday. We know that Mustafi's going to make that mistake. Would we not far rather Saliba play and he makes that mistake? And maybe that, maybe, maybe his personal circumstances don't allow for that circumstance to happen or come to pass. But we've seen it so many times with Mustafi. We've seen it so many times with Xhaka. Surely it's time to just be like, right, these guys, we know exactly what they're like. We can't expect them to, to make a positive, like, direct uh, contribution to our attacking play, which is sort of what we're expecting them to do. The Mustafi's not David Luiz. There was a clear drop-off in our performance, I think, once David Luiz went off. I also think Xhaka staying on also meant that we were, we were very limited in what we could do. I think if, if Xhaka's not on or comes off, you know, 55, 60 minutes, we see Thomas Partey and Ceballos get more of the ball, which I think they're more, they're more dangerous than him. Um, anyway, look, I had a thought the other day and... Uh, it was a bit of a sad thought, but I, I mentioned it to you yesterday. If we continue to form in the way that we are at the moment or have been over the last you know, few weeks, impressively, quite solid, 
tactically, structurally, but very cautiously, rigidly and lacking creatively in terms of shots, chances created, no ball attacking threat. I know we had a few more shots yesterday, which is quite encouraging. Um, but I just don't think we'll finish in the top four. And uh, there is time to improve. I think having solid foundations, not conceding many goals, is definitely important in a season like this, given how many goals are being con conceded by all sorts of teams. But I think United, Spurs, Chelsea, once they get going, just all have too much in an attacking sense. And I just think, as we've just said, now that we do have a bit of defensive structure and security, in place and maybe David Luiz's injury sort of sets us back a bit but we've got the midfield arguably the the defense the yeah the structure it's now time to try and create more dangerous opportunities but having said that do we just lack that creative player or do we need that creative player that everyone pines for um I don't know. So final thoughts on this before we, we, we move on and look ahead briefly to our next game against Manchester United. Well, and Dundalk. <laughs> and Dundalk, of course. Um, no, I agree with you. I think I've always thought that the top teams, the teams with the best defence, with the best goalkeeper, the spine, they're the teams that win titles. But the teams that are able to score fluidly they're able to win games 3-0 3-1 4-2 they're the teams that will get top four and at the moment we're not really either of those teams because mm. we don't have we're not like a, a Liverpool or Mourinho's Chelsea where you're gonna keep I don't know 20 clean sheets in a season we haven't kept a clean sheet in 11 Premier League games or I think we've kept one and we're also not like Wenger's Arsenal where you would be every team bar the top three, three nil home and away, three one home and away, and then you'd maybe lose six one twice in a season. But it didn't really matter because you were beating West Ham five nil and you were beating Stoke three nil and Sunderland six two and whatever. Mm. And playing these teams completely off the park. And we and those teams always get top four because they're beating everyone else and it kind of it's what I think Spurs might end up being this season mm. I don't see them challenging but I see them as a team that with Bale, Kane and Son as a front three will end up just blowing teams away kind of like they did to West Ham although we can all laugh at how they collapsed in the last 10 minutes yeah. um, but yeah, th those would be my closing thoughts. It's just we, we definitely need creativity, whether it comes internally or we sign well, someone. It has, to, it has to be internally. And I think that or is. We, or we sign someone sure. in January. The window's open in two months. And I wouldn't be opposed to making a move for, for someone like Buendia in January from Norwich. I think he was a good player with good underlying metrics last season. Interesting. I do think that there's obviously a creative void. Um, but having said that, I don't think Arteta's at this moment in time getting the most out of this team creatively. And we can see that with attacking players like Aubameyang not getting any shots, um, Pepe, Lacazette, everyone who we think is sort of quite good going forward or important to us look frustrated. They're not getting those chances. They're not getting the shots. So maybe it is a case of we just don't have the players, but I do think there are ways 
that he can try, hopefully, to, to improve the situation. But yeah, closing thoughts. Um, look, it's been a tough, tough start to the season. We've had Liverpool and City away. Um, Leicester, who, you know, we forget, I think in their last away game, uh, beat Man City 5-2. So, you know, I think we far prefer to lose 1-0 than 5-2. And that's Man City we're talking about. We've got United next, Old Trafford. Um, but we've beaten Sheffield United and Fulham, which, but albeit we should the games we were expected to win, you know, some wins, maybe some wins that we wouldn't have got last year. Um, and I, I wrote down in the, in the notes, our Leicester and, and United hugely important in demonstrating where Arsenal find themselves in at this moment in time. I think yes, and we've seen that we're, we're limited at the moment, given the performance yesterday. But look, since Arteta's come in, I think I saw a stat the other day, about 20% or a fifth of his games have been against City and Liverpool or something ridiculous like that. Um, and look, Leicester were, were very, very, uh, very disciplined yesterday. You can see that they're a great team. They know exactly what they're doing. Their players look confident. They know when to press, not to press, pass the ball, draw the fouls. You know, that you don't, Jamie Vardy in or out, you don't, be, you don't go to Man City, go 1-0 down, and then win 5-2 if you're not a very good team who are very well tactically drilled. And I think that is just what's happened. We're forgetting that they have been one of the best sides in, in, in the Premier League over the last couple of years. Um, so, look, we'll leave it there on, on Arsenal front, but hopefully we can, we can get a positive result midweek. And now, you know, next Sunday against Manchester United is... Is, is pretty pretty big I think the, the mood could change dramatically uh, in a positive or negative sense but let's have a quick run through of the of the rest of the weekend um, not too much to talk about but Palace beat Fulham 2-1 Zaha man of the match really uh, I know we both got him in our fantasies I think I'm correct in saying uh, City drew 1-1 with West Ham and United Chelsea touched upon not very interesting. Liverpool beat Sheffield United 2-1. Quite unlucky, I think, not to... Sheffield United gave them a good game. I didn't watch it, but Salah was quite unlucky not to get a goal. He was he was marginally offside. Um, and then he hit the post late on. Friday's game, Bamford hat-trick against Villa. No one was expecting that. Uh, Everton-Southampton, 2-0 Southampton. Everton, nowhere, really. Uh, which is surprising. Donald Calvert-Lewin's goal-scoring run comes to an end. Wolves-Newcastle, 1-0. And then, obviously, we lost 1-0. And then today, it's Brighton, West Brom and Burnley Spurs. So, anything that caught your eye at all from, from any of those games um, before we move on to a brief talk about fantasy football? Um, not the only thing that caught my eye was Everton losing... Uh, it meant now no team can go the season undefeated. So it's a, it's a nice little token to our Invincibles who have just shown once again how difficult it is to go a whole Premier League season unbeaten. Uh, Liverpool got kind of close yeah. last season, but then they got absolutely torn apart away to Watford, so they weren't that good. And um, and six games in, every team's now lost the game. So that, that was just a nice little thing for for the Arsenal legacy. Definitely. Um, well, well, we'll touch briefly upon United. I think when we when we uh, preview the week's European fixtures, I think they were great in their their two one win over PSG. I thought Marcus Rashford was excellent, um, and you know a, a quick uh, mention to him for the work that he's doing off the pitch. I think it's absolutely excellent, real national treasure 
he's got an NBA. NBA, doesn't NBA it? yeah. Deserves deserves it and, and everything is to come as well. Yeah. Um, Chelsea, two nil-nil draws in a row against Sevilla and United, but I think they'll be quietly pleased with that. I think they will get hit the ground running quite soon in an attacking sense. They've just got too much uh, to not. Um, although maybe maybe they're similar to us. They just don't have the, the attacking balance. Um, City, tough for them as well against West Ham. Don't expect them to drop points there, but West Ham were great. Uh, they've really turned it around. They've you know, thrashed Wolves, beaten Leicester, only marginally lost to us, drawn to City. Uh, Liverpool, good win for them without Van Dijk. Um, Leeds, yeah underdogs against Bielsa. I think everyone was getting slightly carried away, maybe the Villa, but they were comprehensively battered by Leeds. Uh, Bamford Hattrick, I think they you made something like 27 shots or something like that, which was, which was I was quite envious of that. Uh, Everton result, yeah. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, James Rodriguez, a bit quieter. They've now got Luca Dina and Charleston out, suspended. They've got a couple of injuries as well, so maybe we'll see Everton drop off slightly. Um, Fancy football. How's it going for you so far then? Uh, it's all right. Yeah. Terrible, terrible start. I First week was good. You know, yeah. Captain Salah got that 40 points in from him. Yeah. And then was was shocking. Played my wild card earlier. Early. I think third game week of the season I played my wild card. Got even... The last few season, a uh, few weeks. And yeah. hopefully, hopefully... I'm in two minds. I, I I would love Burnley to go and beat Spurs three 0 or two 0 or even get a draw. But if if and, and, and that, oh, no no goals, you want Spurs to lose is what you want to happen. Don't don't say you I want all, I always want Spurs to lose, but they can all, sometimes there's there's kind of moments of salvation if if, if Spurs lose three two and Kane and Son both score, that's maybe the ideal Absolutely. situation. Yeah, and look, I think for you know. Uh, people who had Kane and Son in their fantasy last week was a perfect example. Um, great attacking returns, fantasy-wise, and then they drew three-three, which was great to see. So yeah, look, I, t- I took a minus four to get to get to get Son and to Son in basically this week. So I quite fancy get him getting some points, given already how much Son has really. Uh, not gonna swear, but he's really uh, made life difficult for me <laughs> over these last few weeks. Um, but yeah, fantasy football is going all right. I'm trying this new thing where I don't obsessively check it each each uh, minute of, of the weekend because it just gets too much. I try and it really gets inside my head. So I'm trying to take a step back because I know how much I want to do well, and I and I back myself as, as you probably do also as a, as a big football fan with, with big knowledge. You think, well, I can. I can do this. Like, I, I think this is the first season that all the people that have usually taken fancy fairly seriously and, and they kind of maybe see the athletic article that comes out or about the fancy football every week or, or listen to a podcast or two about fancy, watch the scout videos when they're released or mm. like the day before the, the deadline – People, they're not drastic measures. They don't spend the whole week, but they take maybe a few hours out of their week preparing their team. Yeah. They're just not getting the returns that they used to get because the league at the moment has been so unpredictable. I think last week and this week, things are settling down a bit and hopefully they, they kind of level out and it will, within the next month, 
especially maybe after the November international break, yeah, those kind of do take their fancy a bit more seriously will start to get the returns. Really the rewards, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it looks as if at the moment it's Kane and Son who are the, are the big the big guns to own. Um, I don't have Kane unfortunately yet, but I'm I've got I've got I'm slightly reassured with the fact that I haven't yet used my wild card. So I've always got that, but I still think I have options in my team at the moment. I was, I was one of the very few who kept hold of, of De Bruyne, so I'm hoping he, next week, can be a nice differential for me. Um, anyway, leave fancy there. That will be a running theme throughout the podcast this year. European football returned last week. Champions League wins for Bayern Munich. 4-0 win over Atletico. I don't know if you saw the highlights for that one, but all their goals were just absolutely unbelievable. Um, they also, I think, won 4 5 nil at the weekend against Frankfurt, albeit with a, a Alfonso Davies ankle injury, I think. But Sané returned from injury. They've got Navri coming back in uh, from COVID-19. Barca won 5-1, albeit then losing 3-1 against uh, Real Madrid and El Clasico. City won against Porto. Liverpool got a 1-0 win over Ajax. Juventus won United with probably the pick of the bunch with a very impressive 2-1 win over PSG. Obviously, we beat Rapid Vienna 2-1, but we won't really touch on that. Um, what are your initial thoughts on the Champions League? Who do you think the favourites are? Any dark horses? Um, and are there is there any hope for English sides, do you think? Um, I think the favourites have to be have to be Bayern. Yeah. Again, I, I, the, the way they won dismantled. A, a good Atletico team as well, 4-0. Uh, English teams, I still think Liverpool will do well. I know Van, the Van Dijk injury is a big, big loss. But I just think, especially in in Europe, they've got a lot of pedigree in the Champions League. I think they'll they'll definitely get to... I, I, I see them getting to the latter stages of the knockout round. They've got a Champions League winner in their ranks who won it last year as well, who we haven't really seen bed in properly yet as well. Yeah. So. That's that's very true. So I I think I other other than that I think City and Chelsea will struggle a bit. They'll I I see all of the English teams getting out of their group, and then yeah. from there I'm not sure what will happen with all mm. of the other teams bar Liverpool. The United mm. performance was great. The only issue with that is I had a seven game acker that was about to come off, and that <laughs> the go through the results it was a bit of a shame right. no fair play they, they they hung on they scored a really good goal at the end Rashford yeah. and Pogba combined really nicely actually mm. to um to make that uh, a 1-2-1 a victory and yeah. they, they, they had the better chances but I, I didn't watch too many of the, the Champions League games I'll probably end up watching more this week yeah but look so Real Madrid, Barca, Juventus, PSG even, they all look like they're lacking to some extent at the moment. Yeah. In a, in a general sense also, I mean, PSG perhaps are slightly unfortunate to be in that bracket, but they've just lost to United. They've had a tricky start to the season, I think, after losing the Champions League final. I mean, it is only really Bayern who look absolutely formidable. I think everyone else is slightly vulnerable and maybe Juventus could, could get hit the ground running a bit once Ronaldo comes back. But, this week, City have got Marseille, Liverpool got Midtjylland. Wednesday is perhaps the bigger day. United have got Leipzig, which I think is a, if they win that, I mean, it's, it's a big game. And especially winning at Old Trafford ahead of, of 
welcoming Arsenal to Old Trafford. Juve Barca is probably the big one. Uh, Ronaldo, if he's if he's allowed to play versus Messi, which would be quite fun. But Barca, if they lose that, they're just uh, it's a bit of a mess over there. Um, Arsenal, obviously, in the biggest game of the week, got uh, Irish side Dundalk, who I'd actually never heard of uh, prior to <laughs> prior to this uh, group stage, which will be quite fun. I'm sure Arsenal will be watching that keenly. Um, you'd think there'd be serious rotation on that front, and more so perhaps than the Vienna game, especially ahead of uh, United, uh, the United game on Sunday. Or do you try and, I don't know, sort of get the continuity keep the continuity up but we don't really have any continuity so maybe you just you change it and you really really focus on the Sunday games you think just before we have our final words you think you'll see anything surprising what do you anticipate seeing on, on an Arsenal front on Thursday evening I think we I hope we see a debut for Runa Runason we're all very excited uh, aren't we? the uh, the Icelandic king of sweeper keeping hopefully <laughs> he makes uh, a debut and other than that, I think we'll see we'll see a similar team maybe to the Vienna game. I think Cedric will play. Uh, I think we'll play Maitland Niles, Willock. They'll start. I hope Reese Nelson gets a game. I'd like to see him play. But I also think we'll probably see Lacazette play. I, I would be surprised if all three of party, Sabias and Xhaka, didn't play. So I, it will be. It will be a bit, there has to be rotation, especially in the yeah. World Traffic. I think. I think. Um, I think Inketia starts. I think Pepe starts because he didn't start against uh, Leicester. I think he does yeah. need to get some continuity into his game. I think Saka doesn't play. Therefore, I think he probably starts. Uh, probably Nelson or Willock, to be honest. Um, I think Nelson. I think Nelson starts on the left, kind of in the in the same vein as the Leicester game in the Carabao Cup earlier this season. Yeah. It is slightly surprising. I mean, not surprising, but he does seem to be going for a bit more experience than these games. He's not sort of handing out loads of minutes to Willock and Nelson, even Maitland-Niles to an extent. So I'd like to see that. I think Cedric, yes, um, Tierney, give him a rest. Play Maitland-Niles. Kalasenash maybe comes in. Uh, can you afford to give Gabriel a rest at the moment? I don't think so, but maybe he doesn't need it. He looks pretty fit. He's young um, in the same way that um, Van Dyke previously just didn't ever, ever uh, come out of the firing line. He's that defensive fulcrum. And then maybe El Nenny, you see, uh, and one of maybe Ceballos as well, because he hasn't quite got it going. He's been injured, so give him some minutes. But yeah, I think we need to win. Restore a bit of the feel-good factor ahead of uh, our visit to Old Trafford. In any case, Arsenal have lost. Not a great start uh, to the week, but look, it's always good to to unpick these things. And so, thank you, Johnny, for having you back on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. And I'm thanks sure for having me on, on the. I'm sure we'll see you back very soon. You're going to be a regular fixture this year. Uh, that sums it all up. We'll be back next week. It will be Tuesday at 6pm, as it always is, unless the show slot changes to a Monday afternoon. So the discussions remain nice and relevant. I think we might move. Uh, that might be my uh, transition. That's the way I'm going to change my setup. So maybe Arteta can uh, do, something, do something different also. As always, thank you for listening. 
let us know if you're enjoying the podcast. Feedback is more than welcome. Next week, we'll have a non-Arsenal fan on the podcast. In fact, given it's an Arsenal United special, there's a fair bit to discuss in general about Manchester United, I think, at the moment. So we're going to have a Manchester United fan on for you. But I'll, I'll keep you on your toes to see who that might be. Find all the episodes of the podcast on Mixcloud, the Fresh Air website, and my Twitter on AlfieSteiner1. So until then, until next time, take care, stay safe, and enjoy the week's footballing activities. See you next time. Goodbye. Here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up.